Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Seifer, also known as No Huddle NFL on TikTok and Instagram. That is No Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. Also available on Twitter at No Huddle NFL with an underscore at the end. That is, again, at No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end. And once again, I have Joe Burrow himself on the episode. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? I all right. My name my name is Jackson. Um, as many of you already heard, I I am an official Joe Burrow doppelganger. Uh, my official team is the Seahawks. Going into this, just to preface this, get my bias out of the way. Um, and you can find me on TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube at JPOWNFL, JPOWNFL. And yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to get into it. And again, we just recorded another hour-long episode right before this about the Aaron Rodgers trade because I really wanted to get an episode out about that and the Lamar Jackson deal. So this episode is going to be 100% related to the draft. Of course, J-Pow did a lot of scouting. I did too. And there's a lot to talk about from a very eventful weekend. And it, w- it was only like 56 minutes. It's not an overly long listen if you want to listen to it. But I also said in that last episode that there's a thunderstorm going on where I live, and I just found out when I went downstairs to grab a cup of water that my house, apparently there's like a hole to the basement, and my house is currently flooding, so that is great, isn't it? Yeah, that's not fun. (laughs) Yeah, no, it definitely isn't. At least, (laughs) it's not too big of a hole. My dad's trying to patch it up right now, so, I mean, it could be much worse. If it was worse, I would probably not be recording the podcast although that being said the grind doesn't the grind doesn't stop on draft weekend so I don't know maybe I would so let's just jump right into this talking about your top five draft classes of you know the past three days starting with your number five my number five was the Houston Texans and I've seen a lot of people who are a little bit lower on them uh, because of that Anderson trade I actually don't hate it nearly as much as a lot of other people do. And that is because if you look at the trade a couple years ago where San Francisco, they were at pick nine. Houston was at pick 12 here. San Fran gave a package including three first-round picks to move up to number three to select their quarterback. Houston here gave up. They had a pick swap at 12 and three. And then they also gave up an extra first Next year, third next year, and an early second rounder this year. Um, if you compare the two, I think there's a lot more value out of what Houston gave up this year. I actually don't think it was as much to move up to number three as people think. Uh, moving up that much for a defender, I think, is a little bit questionable, but I really do like Will Anderson. Um, I don't think he is like this blue chip prospect that a lot of people make it out to be. But he is definitely my favorite edge rusher in the class, and I think he feel he fills a legitimate hole for them. They lost a lot of guys in free agency in that sense, and pairing him up with D'Amico Ryans I think is really awesome. Then the other pick, obviously, C.J. Stroud. Um, I think that Houston was really in on Bryce Young, and when they struck out on him, I kind of think that franchise went into panic mode a little bit, but I think that they made the right decision. There was obviously a lot of stuff that kind of led Houston astray from getting C.J. Stroud, one of them being that he has the exact same agent as Deshaun Watson, and it would not have surprised me if there was some serious turmoil in that regard. Um, but Houston came out and said that they were 
prioritizing precision and accuracy in their quarterback. And I think if you put him into a Niners type of scheme, Stroud is really, really going to succeed. He is one of the most accurate quarterbacks that has come out of as that has come out into the draft in a really, really long time. Um, I also think another good value pick, Xavier Hutchinson out of Ohio State. I was not as high Iowa. as him as Yeah, yeah. What did I say? You said Ohio State. Oh, oops. Yeah, yeah. Iowa State. Um yes, Xavier Hutchinson, I think, is a a beast. I think, you know, super high RAS score. I think he has the potential to be that kind of DK Metcalf level uh, athletic jump. There were a lot of people. Better who I route saw runner. Had, yes. Better yeah, route yeah. runner than DK. There were there were a lot of people who I saw had like early or to mid first round grades on him. I wasn't that high. I probably had a day two grade on Hutchinson. Um, the Texans got him in the sixth round. I think that is really awesome value. And you're losing. Brandon Cooks, I think Xavier Hutchinson is going to go out there. I think he's going to start pretty instantly and play that X receiver role for Houston that they desperately, desperately need. Um, Stroud to Hutchinson could be a pretty sweet connection uh, for years to come. And that is my number five. At my number four. Hold on. So I I also want to talk about the Texans. Uh, After each of these picks, I would also like to get kind of a turn. with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, For sure. So – Houston is one of the teams I have on my list. I have a list, not that I'm going to go over my top five, but I have a list of teams that I think maybe you might leave out or I just want to mention anyway. Not necessarily that I think they're top five, but I just think they deserve to be mentioned. I was kind of worried the Texans wouldn't be here because of, like you said, the Will Anderson trade. So I, I have an interesting take on Will Anderson. I think that I'm at a point now after hearing what everyone's saying about him as like, oh, you know, he's safe, but the upside isn't really there. And there's some people that think he's a blue chip player. I'm part of that train. I think that Will Anderson is getting to a point where he's underrated. All right? I I really do. I think that Will Anderson is a truly phenomenal player playing one of, if not the most important position on the defensive side of the ball, edge rusher. So trading up to get him, I really do like that move. And the thing is, too, he is guaranteed to be a starting caliber edge for years. And he does have upside beyond that. All right, he does. Now, I'm not saying that he's necessarily the best defensive player in the class, but I think in terms of position value, at the edge position, yeah, you know what? Maybe he is. I I love Will Anderson. CJ Stroud's my quarterback one, so you already know that I love that pick. And then Juice Scruggs, getting him at center, love that. Tank Dell, he's an interesting role player. Probably my favorite wide receiver to watch in the draft class. And then you also add Henry. I'm going to try and pronounce this. Hope I pronounce it right. I'm pretty sure I know how to pronounce this right. Linebacker from Alabama, Henry To'oto'o. I tried my best at least. He, I think, would be very interesting to see in a D'Amico Ryan's defense. That's going to be very, very fun to watch. And then, like you said, Xavier Hutchinson, I have him as my third best wide receiver in the draft class. So getting him in round six, are you kidding me? I think that might be the best pick of the entire NFL draft. Yeah, he's a he's a stud. So overall, I love what the Texans did. I think they really built for the future, even though, you know, they spent a first round pick in order to get Will Anderson, or I guess two first round picks technically, in order to get Will Anderson. I think it's pretty worth it. I do. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, at my number four, 
I am going with my Seattle Seahawks. And I don't care if people want to call me biased. I think there's a very real chance that similar to last year with Tariq Wan and Kenneth Walker, I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle has two players that are in very serious running for both Offensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year. And starting off with that, Devon Witherspoon, the pick at number five, um, I freaked out. I hated it right when it first came in, but I've managed to talk myself into it a little bit more. Um, Pete Carroll has done a great job of kind of building up the later round quarterbacks in recent years. We saw Richard Sherman was a fifth round pick. Shaq Griffin was, I think, a fourth or a fifth round pick. Um, Tariq Woolen, obviously a fifth rounder last year, and all of those guys ended up turning into stars. Carroll's never really invested this much capital into a corner. And, you know, if he trusts a guy that, that he finds, I can't hate it because he's had too much success over the years for me to say, for me to really test his credibility in that sense. Witherspoon was my cornerback three behind Porter and Gonzalez, but he's a very Pete Carroll type of player. He's very aggressive. He's very good in press. Uh, great in the running game, big hitter, uh, probably pound for pound, one of the biggest hitters in this entire class. Um, I would not be surprised if he is instantly going out there and shutting guys down along with Woolen. Um, and then that JSN pick, I I mean, if I were to grade picks, I would give that one an A+. I think that he is by far the best receiver in this draft class. I did one of my YouTube videos on him, um, on my draft crushes. I love him. I think he is really really nuanced and he is a quarterback's dream and i don't think seattle really had that lockett was probably the closest thing to that but he's not really creating anything after the catch and that's where i think jsn can come in and really do that i think most of his time is going to be spent in the slot but i kind of talked about it on the last episode it's dk it's lockett and who else i i really think jsn is filling that wide receiver three hole that seattle has had for a couple of years um, and he was my favorite receiver in the class, so I really like it. Um, Olu Olu, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in and wins the starting center job over Evan Brown. And the real reason I like this class is because I think almost everyone that they took is going to command very significant reps. Derek Hall is going to be, I think, kind of the base down edge rusher where He's kind of the guy on the outside that's going to set the edge, defend the run, and he has pass rushing upside. If you can develop that over the next couple of years, that's a guy who I think is going to be playing all three downs. Zach Charbonnet should be splitting with Kenneth Walker. I really liked Charbonnet. Uh, Bradford should come in and pretty instantly compete. I bet he beats out Phil Haynes for a guard job. Um, Mike Morris and Cameron Young are instantly going to be getting snaps on that defensive line. I, I think that Overall, Seattle filled a lot of needs, and they had a great mix of BPA and filling needs. I do think that there is still a little bit of a void on that interior defensive line, but there's veteran moves to be made. Um, and if they can make those, I am going to feel very, very confident about what Seattle has done. So let me tell you this. I also love Seattle's draft, too. And I, I didn't have that draft class written down on my list. Because I did figure that you might be mentioning them, knowing that you're a Seattle fan. Mm -hmm. But I, I figured, you know what, while you're talking, I might as well look back. And I knew they drafted all these guys, but I guess I didn't really connect the dots and see, oh, wow, these guys together make a really damn good draft class. Of course, the Devon Witherspoon pick, love it. Pete Carroll defensive back. You just imagine that's going to go well no matter what. 
Jackson Smith and Ajigba, you really think about what role he's going to play on that offense instantly. They have a really, really good trio of wide receivers, not just because they have three talented wide receivers, but a lot of the time what makes a good trio of wide receivers is when all of them do different things. And DK Metcalf is the vertical threat, you know, physical, hole-out, muscle you, you know, turning back to the quarterback. He's going to out-muscle a corner, you know, make the contested catches, all that good stuff. He'll find the weak spots in the zone, something that I actually think he's very underrated at doing. And then, of course, Tyler Lockett's another deep threat, but he plays the deep threat style of wide receiver very, very differently in the sense that he won't out-muscle people at the catch point or anything, but his ability to adjust to the ball, he's a very precise route runner, all that good stuff, really just a quarterback's best friend, too. And then you add another quarterback's best friend, but in a different way, in Jackson Smith-Najigba, who maybe I'm not as high on him as other people, But my number one thing I look for in wide receivers is route running. And I think Najigba's route running is absolutely spectacular. I don't like that he could only play the slot, but what's this? You already have two outside receivers, so you don't really care that much. That's, that's in fact, what you're looking for, a slot receiver. Tyler Lockett's under contract for another two years after this upcoming year. And in that time, maybe you hope that Najigba can – develop into a better outside guy to replace Tyler Lockett. And if he doesn't, oh, well, then maybe you just replace him when that time comes. But at least you're getting an absolute stud in the slot. This guy is one of the most precise route runners I've seen in a while. And the routes that he runs are very different from the routes that Tyler Lockett runs. So overall, it's just three wide receivers that complement each other very, very well. Derek Hall. You mentioned him. I love Derek Hall because I'm the type of guy that looks for edge rushers that could defend the run. Derek Hall does that very well. Seattle struggled against the run. He's going to really help them do that. Not much to say beyond that. I like him where they drafted him. Very good player, in my opinion. And like you said, he has that upside as a pass rusher, too. Charbonnet, I think everyone really knows. Everyone who watched Charbonnet film knows he's a very good running back. Pairing him with Ken Walker, that's just a deep running back room. You really like it. Cameron Young is the next guy that really pops off the board when I'm looking through their draft class. This is a really good interior defensive lineman draft. It absolutely is. Cameron Young is still my defensive tackle six. Getting him in the fourth round is great, in my opinion. Great. I mean, there were guys like Gervon Dexter who went ahead of him, who I don't exactly hate Dexter, but I definitely like Cameron Young more, way more, in my opinion, really. And, yeah, overall, I really like the class. I wish I could give you more on guys like Kenny McIntosh, but I'm not too familiar with his game. Same with Jarek Reed. And even the center from Michigan, I don't know much about him. Mike Morris, I know a different – I know a decent amount about. I think he's a good player where they drafted him. That's fine. Overall, though, just looking at the names that really pop off the screen to me, Charbonnet is a great player. Najigba's great. Devon Witherspoon, even though, again, I guess you are concerned about Jalen Carter because of how far he fell. The fact that Pete Carroll, someone known to take in these kind of worrying personalities and really develop them to become great players despite that, the fact that he passed up on him definitely tells you something. But I, I I don't know. I have Devon Witherspoon as my cornerback three, so I don't 
adore that pick, but I, I'm not going to act like it's a bad pick. And then, uh, of course, I, I just love that Cameron Young pick too. That's probably their best pick in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really in love with how they kind of strung the whole thing together. Um, my draft number three, I've seen a lot of people put them as number one, and I am not as in love with the value as a lot of other people are. Uh, but that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, first pick, obviously, traded up for Broderick Jones. I was not incredibly high on him. Uh, but I do I. think I, I do think yeah I do think he projects to be someone that could be good in the future. I think he might have a really bad rookie year because he needs to change a lot about his technique. Um, he kind of plays with his head low and his pad level really high, and he kind of needs to flip that on his head. Um, but yeah, he's also he's also kind of a lunger when he goes at people. His punch is like he's putting his full body into it, and I think it's pretty easy to kind of redirect his momentum. Um, but I do like him. I think that's a pretty serious replacement for what they have at offensive tackle right now, which isn't I, much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I can't hate if you're going out there and you are drafting what could be a very high level player. He has a really great physical profile. If you're drafting a high level player and you're going out and putting him at the tackle position, even if I'm not super high on him, I can't hate it because it's a very, very serious need for Pittsburgh. Um, and if you're bought into him, then then that's cool with me. Joey Porter in the second round, I think is awesome value. He was my second cornerback in this class. I've seen a lot of people say that he has a very low floor, and I don't think that's true at all. He, the first thing that stood out to me before the arm length, before the press man coverage, anything, is how smooth of a mover he is in zone coverage. I think that he does a great job of – removing all options that come into his zone. He positions himself so well and he moves really well that if you have two guys coming through a zone, he can move at the right time to where a quarterback will have to look both of them off. Um, and then you add the six foot six arm length. I mean, this dude is at a minimum, a sweet cornerback too, that you can play in basically any type of zone coverage. And if he pans out how you hope he will, this is an alpha cornerback one that is going to shut guys down at the line of scrimmage. Those arms are awesome, and he does a great job of getting guys out of his frame. I think technically there's a few things he needs to work on in press, and he is not super fast, not super fluid. When you force him to flip his hips, I think that's where he kind of struggles. Um, but I think what you're working with with Porter is a lot. And if you run any kind of zone scheme, like he's going to be a beast for you. County Benton, I really liked. He was someone that I was hoping my Seahawks would take. Um, he's kind of a taller, bigger nose tackle. He was probably my third favorite or probably my second favorite pure nose tackle in the class behind Mozzie Smith. Um, I, I really liked Benton. I think he's going to be very helpful in stopping the run. The Steelers defensive line, for the most part, I think is really, really good. You have Cam Hayward, who's kind of aging. And TJ Watt, obviously, is a superstar. Mm -hmm. Adding Benton there, I think, is, is really awesome. And then Washington, like, even though they already have uh, – oh, my God. Have Fryermuth. Fryermuth. I don't know how I blanked on that name. Even though they already have Fryermuth, who's probably like a top 10 or borderline top 10 tight end in the league right now, I think Darnell Washington is a pretty sweet addition because third-round value for him is very good. He's an awesome athlete. He's a really good blocker if you really need to use him as that. And I think he's pretty technically unsound. Like, I think there's a lot of stuff that you need to work on with him. But 
a third the round. The upside is ridiculous. Yeah, the upside is super high. You can probably, and if anything, worst case scenario, you got a one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. Right, right, and you're willing to live with that at third. If you strike out on that risk in the third round, like oh well, like you said, you're getting a great blocking tight end. You can probably get him at some sort of receiver reps if you you know, develop him a little bit in that area, but freak, freak athlete that I think could be really, really good. Um, Nick Erbeg, I think was pretty underrated. He's a little bit undersized, but he's speedy. He's bendy. Uh, he has good counters. I think he's a really high motor. And if you, uh, I think if you can put a little bit of weight on him and turn him into something more than rotational, uh, I think he's. I think that's a pretty good pick. That I, I, going I, to Pittsburgh was a great thing for him yeah. because they already have their two edges in Alex Highsmith and T.J. Watt. You just put an Urbig on these, you know, obvious passing downs, mm-hmm. and you're set. As opposed to drafting someone like Will McDonald in round one just to play that third down, you know, pass rushing specialist role. They got someone very similar. That does the same exact job way later. Yeah, I uh and uh I, I, I really liked that pick. Um their seventh rounder, Corey Trice. Uh, I think he is a little bit similar to Porter in the sense that he has the same build and he's a pretty good zone mover. Um he's a little bit quicker, but I, I don't think he's nearly as good in man coverage. Um I, I think it's a good flyer though. And I am not too familiar with Spencer Anderson. I'm going to be completely honest. Um, I do know that he has the potential to play at all five spots on the offensive line. And if you can develop him somewhere there, maybe he's your center. Um, and that That's a good use of a seventh round pick, but I'm not too familiar with Anderson, so I'm not going to speak that much on him. Yeah, I'm actually with you in the sense that I'm not as high on Pittsburgh's draft as other people. The Broderick Jones pick, I, I think it's probably a bit of a reach I don't really love him personally. I like Anton Harrison more. But yeah, it's it's definitely not a bad pick. It fills a need. I think he could be used in some really unique ways. I hope Pittsburgh, please to God, I hope they use him like that because there's nothing I hate more than seeing a player with an advanced skill set just for them to not be used in the ways that that skill set allows. Like, for example, something like how Kyle Pitts is being used with the Falcons. I hate it. Right. So I'm hoping they have a lot of, you know, oh, let's make Broderick Jones pull across the formation, block a guy in space. I'm hoping we see a lot of that. I don't know if we will, because Najee Harris, I don't know how much he really is, but he should be used as a in between the tackles runner. And that really isn't what I love to see Broderick Jones used for. But still, maybe they'll do a lot more outside zone stuff. And because of that, someone like Broderick Jones will be a really nice asset for you. And then Joey Porter, I do love that pick. Keanu Benton, personally, I'm not a massive Keanu Benton. Oh wow, did you hear that? That was that thunder. Yeah. Oh yeah, my I think I, I think I barely caught it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if you heard the dog barking earlier. The thunder gets to him. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's weird because you say that because like I'm I'm seeing my room right now and it is like 80 degrees and sunny with like a couple clouds. It's like such a weird. Or difference. do you live in Seattle? Or? No, I, I live in I live in Idaho. I'm in Boise. Oh shit. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I live in New York, so it's like storming okay. storming yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh but yeah, Keanu Benton, I'm not as big of a Keanu Benton fan as other people, but I don't dislike that pick. Like he's definitely a good player. 
Darnell Washington, I adore that pick. I love it. I think Darnell Washington has potential to be the best tight end in this draft class. And I don't think many people will disagree with that because the potential for him is off the charts. Nick Erbig, love that. Uh, but then Corey Trice and Spencer Anderson, I'm very similar to you in the sense that I can't really speak on them. You could speak more on Corey Trice than I can. I'm not a massive fan of him, but I know a lot of people like him, so I'm just going to assume very good player for where they drafted him. I mean, I don't think he's anything, like, insane or anything. Yeah, like I mean, for what? He was a seventh rounder or a sixth rounder? I think he was a sixth rounder. I can double check on and, that. Well, for what I've heard, it's a very good value pick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a great draft by Pittsburgh uh, overall. Um, yeah. Leading into my number two draft, I, I can't speak as much on, on the depth total of this team's class, um, but the Indianapolis Colts, I think – have really knocked it out of the park with a couple picks. The first they one just drafted athletes. Yes, that's what they did. Oh yeah, and, and and it's athletes that I think are like good faith. You know, like I I, I feel confident about them. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know their first pick, Anthony Richardson. He was my quarterback one in the class. Um, I do buy into that the hype that he is the the safest guy and i know a lot of people disagree with that but my 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 logic there is you know let's say he take one thing i like to do when i'm scouting players is i like to do something called the zero stride test um and how that works is like let's say anthony richardson takes zero strides as to where he is as a pocket passer you're gonna create offense because he is going to help you be one of the best rushing teams in the league Mm. because that mobility is so, so special. I think that's a legitimate superpower with him. Um, I actually – I'm sorry to interrupt, but I actually heard a very interesting thing recently from someone. I forgot exactly who it was, but I was listening to them talk about the Anthony Richardson pick, and I heard them say something I thought was really, really interesting. Worst-case scenario, let's say he can't develop at quarterback. He's used kind of like a Taysom Hill. Yeah, and I, I think that's on the table just given like – how much of a freak athlete he is like the 10 RAS score. Like he, he truly is like a 100th percentile athlete in this class. And it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but the reason I would push back on that is because I think he is a much better pocket passer than a lot of people are willing to give him credit for. There are still certainly flaws. I think his lower body mechanics aren't great. Um, he does this weird thing where he doesn't really plant his foot in the ground. Like he should, when he throws it, he kind of like kicks it. And, uh, it takes away from that accuracy a little bit, but absolute cannon arm, um, great runner, very physical runner that you usually don't see out of the quarterback position, but he's someone that I think can bowl guys over um, at 6'4", 250, whatever he is. Uh, I, I love Richardson, and I think Indy is a great place for him because Shane Steichen, being that offensive coordinator, he worked a lot with Hertz, and this is something that I made a video about him, a YouTube video about him in February, I think, and I, when I talked about the teams, I said, there's a lot of people mocking him outside of the top first round, right, or whatever. I can guarantee you he'll go in the top five. And I, I think one of the teams that he is going to go to would be Indianapolis because Shane Steichen is the new offensive coordinator. If anyone values mobility in a quarterback, it's him. Just given on how they used uh, – what's his name? Jalen, Jalen Hurts. How they, how they used Jalen Hurts I think is very similar to what they could do with Anthony Richardson – with his legs. Um, and they turned Jalen hurts into a great passer. I think Anthony Richardson could definitely be that. 
Um, he is very manipulative with how he works over the middle of the field. Um, he can hit some really crazy throws. I, I think Anthony Richardson is an awesome, awesome pick for Indianapolis. And then they followed that up with grabbing Kansas State's Julius Brents at pick number – I don't remember what the actual exact pick was. It but was in the second, second round. round. Yeah, yeah, he was a second rounder. Um, very great athlete, very fluid player. Um, this is someone that I would not have been surprised – if he fell into like the very back end of the first round or even earlier in the second round than he went, I think this is good value. He's a really good athlete. Um, I think he's very fluid. He has the potential to be a great man corner. Um, and obviously they lost Stefan Gilmore to Dallas. I think Julius Brent is going to be someone that they really lean on heavily pretty early and give him real reps, give him, actual time to kind of develop. And I, I feel really good about that. Josh Downs, uh, I, I didn't love him, but I think he makes sense for someone with Richardson. He is a very reliable receiver. Uh, he's good at kind of going underneath his zone. He has good hands. The, my issue with him is like, he's really, really bad against contact. Like he can get moved off of a route so easily, but if you can scheme him up in a sense where he's not really facing that, then this is going to guy that this is going to be a guy that I think is going to be crucial in the development of Anthony Richardson. Um, just because he's so reliable, he can kind of manipulate coverage a little bit. Um, so I, I, that's where, that's where I kind of like that pick. And then the other pick I'll speak on because I've been talking for a really long time. Um, You're I, I really, really love him. I was pushing the narrative that he was going to be a first rounder really heavily. Um, you look at his combine, it compares very, very similarly to Trayvon Walker. Um, and he had legitimate production at Northwestern. And I think that he is a very raw player. Uh, he's listed at 282 right now. I would not be surprised if he goes into the NFL and has those Tyree Wilson type of wins where he doesn't really do anything technically right, but he just wins reps off of pure athleticism. Uh, that would not shock me at all. I think that this is a very good faith pick in the fourth round. I would have taken him late first, early second, because I'm, I'm that high on him. And I really do buy into that freak athleticism because you can do so much with that. Um, and that's, that's all I have to say about the Colts. The Colts yet again is another team I have written down. So the thing with them, like you said, it's just athlete after athlete after athlete. So you mentioned AR 15 and Julius Brents. I also want to mention Josh Downs, who I love, love him. I think he's limited in his role because of his height, but he's still phenomenal at the role he plays. Blake Freeland from BYU, also a phenomenal player. You know, not really much to say. Offensive tackle, very reliable guy. They need offensive linemen, and I'm kind of upset they didn't get as many as high as I would like to say. But, I mean, I guess they had a need to everywhere so they still need to add more and they're paying a lot of their offensive linemen a lot even though they're not none of them were really that good last year but they're paying them a lot so maybe you don't want to replace all of them and then they also got Adetomiwa Adabware who of course great player you talked about him Darius Russ from South Carolina another great player but then the player that I want to talk about because you probably don't know much about him and I can't really blame you because he's a seventh rounder but Jake Witt from, uh, what was the exact school? It was like Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, it something like that. Northern Michigan. Northern. I knew it was Plus. something on the compass. 
So Northern Michigan offensive tackle. The story with him is he was a two-sport athlete in high school. Now, again, this might not translate to him being a very good NFL player, but still I just find the story with him so interesting. He was an offensive tackle his last couple of years, but he started off as just a basketball player in high school. Then, you know, he took a year off of just sports overall, and there goes the dog again. (laughs) Uh, But he was – just a scholar, you know, only did school stuff, academics, whatever. And eventually the competitive spirit came back and he started playing as a tight end. And he started in, you know, college as a tight end. And then one time, eventually during halftime, the coaches walk up to him with like a number 64 jersey and are like, our right tackle got injured. We need you to come in. And that's how this guy started playing on the O-line. So that tells you this guy has a lot of potential. And there's definitely a learning curve with this guy. But he has the physical ability. And there's a lot more for him to improve on. So a really nice flyer to take in the seventh round. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I that was not someone I had scouted. So I think that's... Well, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know much about the guy until I was listening to a podcast... And mm-hmm. I heard someone say, like, oh, this is a guy with a lot of athletic upside. It's going to be interesting. Going to be interesting to see someone take him. Will he end up being a great player? Maybe not. But the point is the upside's there, and there's a huge learning curve with him. So if you're going to take a flyer in the seventh round, that's exactly what you want. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's a good value project. Um, my winner for this year's draft. Philly, uh, right? I think, yes. Yeah. I, I yeah. think it's I think it's a pretty common uh projection it's the philadelphia eagles the philadelphia bulldogs i should say going out and getting basically every single georgia defender um i love what they did here jalen carter falling to them at nine it does make me think that his character concerns are a lot worse than people think because you know if houston houston didn't trade up for him seattle passed up on him when interior defensive line was their biggest need uh, Detroit passed up on him. I, the, the Bears traded back basically because they weren't going to take him and the Eagles wanted the opportunity to. Um, it, it makes me think like coaches don't like this guy. But to me, he is the best player in the class. And Philly is an awesome, awesome place to develop defensive linemen. There's a chance that this blows up in their face because, and then- like I said, I I want to talk about it a bit, specifically Jalen Carter, because it's a really interesting situation. And one thing, I'm not sure if you heard about this, but most of the time when an NFL, when a college player is going to the NFL, entering the draft, all that stuff, you hear that the college coach has nothing but praise for him. It was different with Jalen Carter. Coaches would actively tell NFL scouts, stuff that they didn't like about him. And that's rare to see like a coach kind of prey on a player's downfall. And that makes you really worried. Exactly. The fact that Pete Carroll of all people was willing to pass on the guy. It tells you a lot. And I think it's issues beyond just character. It's also the stamina issues, but if there's one place for him to work out, it's the place where he's a rotational guy filled with college players that, you know, went to the same college as him and apparently liked him a lot. You know, if there's anywhere he's going to work out, it's Philly. This is the perfect spot for him. And if he doesn't work out, well, they draft him to be a rotational guy. So does it really matter? Not as yeah. much as it would. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the upside with him is is really good. To me, on film, he was the best player in the class. I don't know how these character concerns like really affect that. Um, but I think pick nine is is good value in that sense. And then they followed that up with his teammate, Nolan Smith, who the exact opposite thing happened to him. He was like, everyone had nothing but good things to say about Nolan Smith. He's an incredible leader and a guy that I think most GMs should be killing to get to have in that locker room. He is really awesome, a little bit undersized, but you have time to put some weight on him. Um, but to me, what he does not have in his size, he makes up for with his, you know, bend, hand placement, uh, great technique, great leverage. His pad level is awesome. Um, I really, really liked Nolan Smith. And this was another guy that I did my draft crushes video on and said Philly would be a great fit for him because you look at this team last year, like they didn't have much holes, but probably their biggest area of struggle was on run defense, especially outside run defense. When you have to plug up those B gaps on the outside, the C gaps, they didn't have, they didn't do a great job of that. And part of it was because uh, Hassan Reddick, as great as he is, is not a very good run defender. Nolan Smith, if he can punch above his weight at the NFL level, he's going to be great at that. He was an awesome run defender at Georgia. Um, and maybe you want to put a little bit more bulk on him, but I really have no doubt that he can go in and fill that hole for Philly. Um, the worry shown... with him. Uh, and again, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to really quickly kind of like juxtapose all the good stuff that you're saying about it. And I definitely think he's a good player, but mm -hmm. the worry with him. And I swear this is going to be the last time I interrupt you, <laughs> but my concern with him is injury. You know, and it's very clear. You look at his injury history, it happens all the time. But again, what's this? He's a rotational player. So how many opportunities is he really going to have to get injured? Not as many as he would if he was the starting edge on a team, and that's probably why he fell. But the fact he fell to the team that doesn't give him any opportunities to be injured, it's perfect. Yeah, I and, and like you said, he's rotational. I'm not totally sure what kind of snaps he's going to get. I think but it's I, going to be obvious rundowns. I, I, I agree. I just, I, I wonder if they're concerned about his weight in that sense. Um, well, but, it's but just, I, I it's just think... Philly likes to rotate players. We know they're yeah. going to rotate their D linemen. They always do. Yeah, for sure. I just like, I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be random rotation. I don't know if he's going to be a run defender. Maybe they want to try and turn him into this like bendy guy to go alongside Reddick. Um, but yeah, I, I love Nolan Smith at a minimum. You're getting a guy that you would like to add weight on over the next couple of years, but he's a great locker room presence. I think that's a good faith pick to pair him with Jalen Carter. Um, Tyler Steen, their first third round pick. I, I think he's a little bit like Skaronsky in the sense that his short arms are probably going to lead to a guard conversion and he's not super athletically overwhelming to me. Um, but he's technically sound. He's a good sealer in the run game, plays with good leverage, solid punch. His, his pad level's good. Um, I like his balance. Uh, I don't have a ton to say about that because yeah. Um, Sidney Brown is, I, I think he fits well. Uh, he is not a very good tackler, um, but he is a awesome ball hawk uh, that they'll probably be getting with the departure of CJ Gardner Johnson. Uh, I think he is really, really good in coverage. And as long as you're not like bringing him down to the box, 
you it, it's pretty easy to mask his weaknesses. Um, and so I feel good about that pick. Keely Ringo is someone that I Love thought it. would go Love a it. little bit earlier. I thought Keely Love Ringo it. would go a little bit earlier than the fourth round because he is definitely a project. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. play the ball yeah. super well, but you know, tested super well. Um, I, I think that there is a lot of, I, I really feel comfortable about the ability of Philadelphia to develop him into a great cornerback. And, you know, Slay's getting old. Maybe this is not a guy that makes a super immediate impact on the team, but you sit him, keep him in the building. Um, let's loosen those hips a little bit, develop it. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's that kind of replacement for when Slay and Bradbury when those contracts run up, maybe you don't really try to resign him because you feel good about what Ringo brings to the squad. Um, and then the other value pick that I really, really liked was Mora Ojomo. I thought he was going to go, you know, early day three, I would say. Um, but he's very versatile. He's a really good run defender. Um, I, I loved Ojomo. This was someone that I wanted to end up as a Seahawk because I think it's a pretty big need for them. He is... He's 292 right now is what it's saying he's listed at. I think he plays a little bit quicker than that. Um, And again, another awesome rotational piece for Philly to add to that defensive line. So, I I mean, I really think that this was like the best reload possible that they could have done because the roster, Jalen Hurts obviously had that super big contract. There's a lot of contracts coming to an end. There's a lot of aging veterans that are likely going to retire. I think that, this was the best job that they could have done in terms of adding the pieces to kind of prepare for a lot of those departures, because I feel pretty confident that a lot of these guys they're going to see as this is the replacement for when this guy retires or when this guy's contract runs out. So and that's I, what I Roseman does. Job. Yes. That's what Roseman does. And you mentioned the Kelly Ringo pick. I am like the well-known like Ringo lover. I adore Kelly Ringo. And it's because of one thing. I, I mean, I guess Philly isn't one of the teams that are really an example of this. But a lot of NFL teams just have one coverage and they will just run it to death. You know that as a Seattle fan. Oh, yeah. Back in the oh, Gus Bradley me, days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> teams just have one type of coverage, maybe add a couple of wrinkles to it. And they'll call like five different variations of that same exact coverage. If you're a team that just wants to run press coverage repeatedly, whether it's press zone or press man, Kelly Ringo's your fucking guy. Just that simple. He is amazing in press coverage. And you know what? Fine. If you're running cover three and you don't want someone, you know, pressing up on someone, yeah, you probably won't like Ringo at all. You probably have a seventh round grade on him. But if you're a team that wants to run a lot of cover two, if you're a team that wants to run a lot of cover three with some – cover three press like Jonathan Gannon did a decent amount. Now they have a new defensive coordinator. Hopefully he does the same. I imagine he would because they drafted Kelly Ringo traded up to get him. In fact, yeah, I think it's going to work out damn well. I do. And again, he's a project, but you have two other corners there. So you're going to be able to develop him as much as you want. I like it. I like the pick. So now I'm going to mention some of the other teams, or I guess there's only one. No, there's two teams I have that you didn't mention. The Browns and Jaguars are two teams that I really like their class. Do you want me to start with the Browns or Jaguars? Uh, I mean, I I don't care. The Browns were someone that I almost put on here. 
So I'll start with the Browns then. Of course, Cedric Tillman, what what do you think of Tillman? But I actually thought that he was the better Tennessee receiver. I completely I think, agree. Yeah, completely I, I don't think agree. that was a super like, hot take. Um, but I think he offers more than what Hyatt did. And I think where they got him, like he he's filling a legitimate hole for the Browns. I, I liked that pick. Yeah, I really like Cedric Tillman. I like him where they drafted him. And he adds – he plays a very nice role to the Browns that they needed – Right, they definitely need that. Amari Cooper isn't the type of guy to really get physical with people. Cedric Tillman is. And you have to keep in mind with the Browns, they didn't have early picks, yet they still made the most out of their late draft picks. Siaki Ika, I love him. I love him. He plays that Vita Vea role. Maybe he's not the pass rusher that Vita Vea is, but he plays the, you know what, double-team me all you want. I am not moving off of the line of scrimmage. All right? And... I don't know how Cleveland's new defense is going to work. They have a new defensive coordinator. But if they just ask this guy to fill in this gap right here, you're golden. And maybe they will, maybe they won't. But if they do, they got a phenomenal player to play that exact role. I love Siaka Ika. And then Dewan Jones, getting him, he's a project, right? But the guy is six foot seven. Am I correct in saying that? I think it's 6'8". Yeah, 6'8". My bad. He is 6'8". He's an absolute giant. Of course, his feet don't move well because, I mean, the guy is a literal behemoth. But the potential that this guy has, very, very strong, as you would imagine, the potential he has is absurd, right? You just got to do a lot of polishing. And that's the thing. Cleveland is really set up on the O-line. They have time to develop DeWan Jones. They drafted him late, so it's not like they're expecting immediate production out of him. I think he could be a staple of this offensive line in the future, and more than just a staple, I think he could be one of the better run blockers in the entire NFL. Of course, it's going to take a couple of years, but yeah. Isaiah McGuire, defensive end from Missouri, I don't know too much about him, but he seems like a solid guy for where they got him. Dorian Thompson, Robinson, just a backup, you know. They're just getting him for someone else that could be mobile, like Deshaun Watson. And then, you know, if Deshaun Watson goes down, I guess you put him in and he'll be fine. I'm not expecting him to be an absolute stud, but he definitely has a lot of upside. There's stuff to like about him. I really just see him as a backup, though. A backup that can do everything that you want Deshaun Watson to do, just not to the same level. Or maybe to the same level if Deshaun Watson continues to shock, right? Hopefully. (laughs) It seems like everyone's rooting against him. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They also got a cornerback from Northwestern. I'm not overly familiar with him, but I am very familiar with Luke Light. Luke Weipler, who, am I wrong to say is the steal of the draft? I feel like him or Xavier Hutchinson. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's definitely not a bad take. I, I, I liked Weipler for sure. Yeah, and even if you weren't a big fan of him, there's no way you expect him to go round seven. There's no reason for him to go round seven. He's definitely a starting caliber center, and they need that. They got it. Getting a guaranteed day one starter, and I think he will be a guaranteed day one starter because – their center isn't overly great. I forgot exactly who it is. Pochich. At least it was last year. I don't know if they had any kind of like free agency departure, but it's Ethan Pochich. Yeah. Weipler has a very realistic shot to start 
day one on a team that isn't really like too weak in a lot of positions. So getting what might be a day one starter in round seven for a team that, you know, is pretty much average. That's big. That's big. And this is one of the best centers in the draft class. I imagine there's probably a couple people that thought he was the center number one. Not me, but there probably is a couple. I love this pick. Adore it. No reason for him to fell, to have fallen that far. So what made you keep the Browns off that list? I was – there was there was a lot of question marks to me where I felt good about Tillman. Ika, it was – how much I, I'm assuming he's gonna get a lot of time, but like he tested like as horribly as you could possibly imagine. Um, it was like it was like how much are they really going to develop that, and and how much time is he? I, like I, I had I had some stamina concerns with him. Okay. How much like yeah, snaps yeah. is he? Gonna but you're get? not. I don't like you. Don't draft this guy to play every down. Right. Eka, you put him on the field for first and second down. Now it's third and long. Okay. And, you know, if you're playing against a team that throws the ball a lot, you probably don't put them on the field at all, realistically. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing against Tennessee or any other team that's going to pound the rock the entire game, you play Eka on the field. Right. And, and you I, don't have yeah. to have him on the field every play, but you put him on the field because you guarantee whatever gap you have him responsible for, he's filling it and doing a damn good job at it. Yeah. I And I, I was like, my my question with him was like, how much is that role worth? Basically, especially when you get to a much more like pass heavy league, you have and and you're going against like the Ravens are in your division. I think they like to run the ball towards the outside a lot more than they do up like the A gap, and that would leave Ica kind of like I don't know, not super important on that. Um, the other question mark, I Dewan Jones. It was like you said, he's kind of a project. I kind of questioned like how much is he really going to be able to handle speed rushers at the next level? But that's the thing you have time because the team has already set it offensive tackle. He has time to develop and that's why I like it. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think it's a bad pick. It's, it's more of like, if I were, if you were to ask me like even odds, do I think Dewan Jones becomes what his potential is? I would say no, just because like, I, I question his ability to develop that kind of like foot quickness and speed. But then he was what a fifth rounder? He was a fourth rounder, like early. Four. Okay. Oh well. Eh. Okay. So I guess it's a little bit more like yeah, fourth rounder is a decent amount of value. So okay, I guess. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, Weipler. I I, really, I think he was my center two, if I'm not mistaken. I had I know I had JMS above him. And I don't think I had Tipman above him. Mm-hmm. I think he was. I think he was my center number two. Um, that's great value. I, it was just like there were a lot of guys where I was just like, if like like let's say he does not pan out, like Dewan Jones for example, and I would probably bet on him to not pan out. Like that is very little return on a fourth round pick. Mm. All right, that's fair. I get that. And again, I'm not necessarily saying that I have these teams top five. But I'm just saying they're in the discussion for me, right? Yeah, they, I'm not even sure. Su- I'm not even sure what my top five would be because I, I didn't write Philly on this because I knew you were gonna say Philly. <laughs> so then my next team I want to talk about Jacksonville. They killed it in my opinion. 
killed it, in my opinion. This is a team I probably would have top five. Anton Harrison. I think he – I cannot see Anton Harrison being a bust. Can't see it. Yeah. Am I wrong in saying that? I cannot see it. I, I can't see him being a, like, irrelevant player. He, he might not be a superstar, but – Oh, no, no. I'm not expecting him to be a superstar. I don't think right. anyone is. I don't yeah. even think Jacksonville is. I think that <laughs> – I think that he's guaranteed to be a starter for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Eight I think years. That's a good take. And the thing is, too, he's not even the number one tackle. Right? He is, he's going to be the number one tackle for them this year. He is going to be their left tackle because Walker Little is the right tackle and their starter, forgot his name. Cam Robinson. Cam Robinson. Thank you. <laughs> Cam Robinson is suspended for the season, correct? Think it is it's the whole season. Just, I, it's either the whole season. I thought it was just the first six games. I'm not totally sure, though. I don't remember. I can look this up right now. Yeah, I, it might be the whole season. I forgot exactly what it was he did. but yeah, I think it was PEDs. Oh, okay. Then it probably isn't the whole season. Yeah. But anyway, Walker Little is a guy they drafted early. He has a lot of physical tools. So, if anything, they let Anton Robinson kind of – start for a bit, and then Walker Little, if he really starts to live up for that potential, then they move one of the two, whether it's Cam Robinson or Anton, but I think Anton is guaranteed to be a starting caliber player for years. Never going to be a pro bowler, all pro or anything, but he'll be a starter for years, and they needed a tackle, so I really like this pick. I think he's a very safe player. And then I also like Brenton Strange. I'm probably one of the only people that had him in my top five tight ends in the draft class. But I, I only had him there because everyone else is like an upside guy. Meanwhile, I think he has upside while also having a very safe floor. Brenton Strange is a good blocker that also just plays a reliable tight end position. So you know how everyone like is kind of a decent fan of Daniel Bellinger just because he just plays tight end in the most traditional way possible. And he doesn't do anything overly well, but, you know, he just plays tight end well. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. That's how I see I think Brennan Strange is the exact same guy. Okay. And the good thing is they have Evan Ingram to play the other tight end, you know, tight end playmaker jumbo slot role. But then you have Brennan Strange when you want, like, a traditional tight end. So I really like that pick. I do. And this is a team I think is stacked enough to be able to make those decisions. In the second round. And then Tank Bigsby, adding him to kind of be the J-Rob to Travis Etienne. I like that move a lot. Just add a little bit more balance to your running back room. Travis Etienne's more of the elusive guy. Jay Robinson. Or sorry, not James Robinson. He's gone now. Tank Bigsby is going to be the more physical guy. I think it's going to be the same exact duo that they had at the time. Which kind of makes me wonder why they moved James Robinson. But still, I do like Tank Bigsby to play that role. You know, when they're up, they don't want ETN to be the guy, you know, trying to run the clock out. They want Tank Bigsby to be the guy trying to do it. And I think he'll do that well. They brought in Ventral Miller. I like that. Yasser eh, Abdullah from Louisville. I like him. Overall, it was mainly the earlier picks that I really like, but I like those decisions a lot, and I think their best picks were the ones that were later in Antonio Johnson, the safety. 
I had him as the second best safety in the draft class, and they got him late, and I love it. I love it, and that is one of the few positions that they actually needed to address, so I love that. And then getting Parker Washington, a very good player after the catch, also got him late. I love that too. It's He might be able to win that wide receiver three spot. I love it. And then, you know, in the later rounds after that, 200-plus picks, 200-plus, weren't anything special. But they did add a fullback, which is going to help them, you know, when they're up big trying to run the clock. Yeah, I like it. This was another team that I like. I definitely didn't consider them as heavily as I did with Cleveland, but the, it was a team that I, like, glanced over when I was making my top five. And I probably could have. I just I was not nearly as familiar with the back end of their class. I loved the Harrison pick, um, but I didn't really know what I was talking about with a lot of these guys. I liked Abdullah out of Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew a little bit about Ventrell Miller. I knew a little bit about Antonio Johnson. But other than that, I was just like, I'm not super familiar with the back end of this class, so I'm not going to make my Parker Washington was someone I expected to go early. He's a very, very good after catch guy. Okay. Very good. And I think he'll be like the wide receiver three for them. It's between him and Marvin Jones, and I think he might be able to carve out a role ahead of Marvin Jones. Did Marvin Jones? I thought he – Marvin Jones is back there. Yeah, yeah, Is he? Oh, okay. Uh, So now I want to talk about who we think will have the quickest and largest impact right away, most likely this upcoming year. We're not including quarterbacks for this because that would just be pretty boring. So 10 players, name – I, I don't have mine in order. If you have yours in order, feel free to name them in order. But name your number 10 or just the first one you see on your list, I guess. Yeah, I, I didn't number mine either. I didn't mind. Um, yeah. But the, the first guy that came to mind with me was Christian Gonzalez. I think that he was I, – I think that was one of the best picks in the entire – probably the best pick, actually, in the entire first mm-hmm. round. Um, Being able to trade back and land Christian Gonzalez, who is to me – the clear-cut cornerback one, um, I love him. And then you're adding him to Bill Belichick, who's incredible with developing, cor- developing cornerbacks. Sorry, I think that is an awesome, awesome fit. Gonzalez's hips are absolute butter. I think he hangs really, really well in man. He's not someone that I think is going to jam a guy out of his route, but I think he's going to be like a, like a sauce gardener almost, where not super flashy in terms of his play but he is going to eradicate a receiver's route from what a quarterback can do and i think that is so so valuable if i were to pick right now who i think the defensive rookie of the year is going to be i'd probably choose gonzalez so that's my first i get that and i was thinking about him but for me the problem is belichick kind of likes to rotate his corners a little bit too much for him to have Mm -hmm. an instant impact Mm -hmm. although i do think gonzalez also has a lot of athletic upside on top of how refined he already is. So I think a couple of years with Belichick, this guy's going to become like Hall of Fame caliber. I really do. Yeah. Because he has that physical upside while already being polished. Someone like Belichick can really refine the extra stuff that he could do. But right now they already have Marcus Jones and Jonathan Jones. So while I absolutely think this guy's going to get on the field a lot, I don't know if it's going to be quite as much as someone like one of my guys, Brian Branch, him going to Detroit. Love it. Mm-hmm. This is a team that needed a safety. Brian Branch, I think if you ignore position value, he's one of the best players in the draft. Maybe the best defensive player, if you don't count Jalen Carter, because there seems to be some other issues with him. 
Branch, what he does, very, very physical guy. I think, while he may not be the best coverage guy, he could cover the slower, less twitchy defend or less twitchy slot receivers. So I really like him. He could guard tight ends. He's a very, very useful guy against the run. I'm a big fan of Brian Branch. And I think this is a team that could make a pretty decent run right now. Brian Branch is going to be a huge part of that. Yeah, I, I loved the branch pick. I thought that was that was incredible value. I actually was mocking him at like 13, 14 for a little while, and I was really surprised he slipped out of the first. Yeah, um, no, I, I think everyone was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my second guy is Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think that even in as crowded of a wide receiver room as he's in, I think Shane Waldron has been craving that role out of another wide receiver for years, really since he's been there. And has it really gotten it? There's been some pretty pathetic attempts, I'd say, at trying to fix that. They took two receivers in the seventh round last year that I would think he was hoping would he kind of strike gold and they turn into that, but that never really came to fruition. Marquise Goodwin, I think, was good in the slot, but he didn't fill exactly what Waldron wanted. JSN, I think, fits that perfectly. And even in his crowded of a receiving room, I would not be shocked if he's eclipsing 1,000 or 1,100 yards, somewhere around there. Um, I, I think he'll probably be in rookie of the year contention just because I loved him so much. I would have taken him in the top 10 um, because his floor is just so, so high. I think he'll be like a someone in Pro Bowl contention for years to come. Um, I really love JSN. And even with Lockett and Metcalf, around I think he elevates this offense to a whole nother level so you mentioned that the thing that kind of holds JSN back from being overly productive this year is the fact that he's in a very crowded receiver room a rookie a upcoming rookie receiver who isn't in a crowded receiver room would be another not first rounder that I have on my list. I believe this is my latest pick. Yeah, this is the latest pick in the draft I have on my list. Xavier Hutchinson. Uh, I I went over it earlier how I love this kid, and he is going to get the ball a lot this year. They're going to be down a lot of points very often because they're Houston, and they're going to be trying to you know make up for being down a lot. And in order to do that, you got to throw the ball. This is their best receiver already, in my opinion. The guy's an absolute dog. He isn't re- really competing with many other people to get the ball. So because of that, I love this stud. I really like this pick, and I think he's going to be very productive this year. Yeah, I uh, I, I love Hutchinson. Um, my number three pick is yet another first-rounder. I, I think most of mine are like first- or second-round guys. Yeah, and that, that makes sense. Um, my third guy is Jordan Addison. I think that when I scouted him, uh, he was one of the earlier players I scouted because I did wide receivers really early. Um, but I, my initial thoughts were basically, I don't think he is a wide receiver one. I don't think this is a guy that you take with the intention of this guy is going to be the guy that our quarterback relies on for the next four to five years, whatever. I think he is a cool and crafty wide receiver two or three. And if Seattle had ended up with him in the second round and not taking JSN, I would have been cool with it. Um, But I think Minnesota is an awesome situation for him because you have Justin Jefferson on the outside right there, who is probably going to make it basically suicide for a defense to play man coverage. 
Jordan Addison has the ability to kind of settle in zones and then catch it and do really cool things after the catch. And I think that was a big hole for the Vikings. They didn't really have that completely filled last year. The closest thing to it was TJ Hawkinson, who I like, but I think he just plays a little bit of a different role than what Addison's going to do. I think Addison's going to come in um, and I think he's going to command a good amount of targets pretty quickly. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he has eight to 900 yards, I'd say is probably right around where I project him. If he gets just over that a thousand mark, I wouldn't be too shocked, especially if they're going to be throwing the ball a little bit more in Minnesota. I really like Addison. And I think that this is one of the few places where I'm like, yeah, this is a really awesome fit for him. So I think that's, I I feel pretty good about his rookie year and how that's going to look. Yeah, Addison, I think, is really interesting because it, it's very similar to Devonta Smith, right, with him being an undersized guy. But the strengths are exactly the same. Very good route runner. The question will be, is his route running – it was the same question we had with Devonta Smith. Is he a good enough route runner to make up for the size issue? I think it's definitely possible, but it all, it's also very possible that it isn't. I'm going to finish it up by naming the last wide receiver – in that first round, unless you have Quentin Johnston on your list. Personally, I don't. I do not. Zay Flowers, big receiver in my mind, right? He doesn't play big and he isn't big, but I think like a big name receiver, he's going to be a big time receiver because he makes big plays over and over and over, right? This guy, his ability to get separation with a mix of amazing route running and just absurd speed. His ability to control his body while running at that speed, it's crazy, right? The guy's really, really good ball skills. He's very good at adapting to where the ball is in the air. He's able to make catches outside of his frame. You know, this guy is just a playmaker, right? And he makes plays after the catch. Everything that you want in a wide receiver other than size, he has. This guy's a stud. My uh, my next guy is Joey Porter for Pittsburgh. Um, talked about him a little bit earlier. He was my cornerback too. Um, I think that he has a high enough floor right now where he's going to be able to play zone at a really high level. And you're going to see a couple highlights this season at least of him just launching a receiver completely off of his route because those long arms are really, really hard to overcome and press. And I think Pittsburgh is a really awesome situation for him. They clearly care about keeping families within the same franchise. Um, Obviously they put the Watt brothers on that team, the Hayward brothers. Um, His dad was a longtime Steelers legend. And now he is going to follow in the footsteps of his dad. I, I think this is a really awesome situation for him because the franchise, I think values what he brings to the table. He's filling a really big hole. And I think that if you can get him to take some strides in press man technically pretty quickly he's going to be a really awesome player very fast so you just named a corner that of course a lot of people loved i'm naming a corner that i'm a very very big fan of i imagine you are too deontay banks him going to the giants a team that much like the steelers did they needed corners And Deontay Banks is an absolute stud, fits what they're trying to do. Someone that could go one-on-one with opposing receivers. This guy's very, very good at that. A lot of man coverage. He's very good at it. The guy just has a really, really good understanding of routes and route combinations. And he's very good at just reading the receiver, mirroring the receiver. He does an amazing job at it. The guy is an absolute stud. 
Love him. The Giants needed a corner, and they got their guy. Yeah, I uh, I actually was not super high on Banks, but I've been like talked into him a little bit. If that makes sense, he his he has good technique. He isn't like the biggest physical freak, mm-hmm. but his technique is really solid. Yeah, um, my my next guy is Osiris Torrance. Uh, he mm. kind of fell a little bit, and I think when I watched him, I sort of thought he is going to be a very good pass protector. But he needs to go somewhere that has a pretty simple running scheme. Um, and I had initially thought a team like Washington would be great for him because they run a ton of duo, and that would be great. I don't love his ability to climb to the second level. I don't yeah. love his ability to be like a pulling guard. Um, so if you're doing a bunch of that, Torrance is probably not the guy for you, and I don't think it's a real surprise to me that he fell. Um, but for some reason, it didn't dawn on me, why doesn't he go somewhere that just never runs the ball at all? And he could be used as a pass protector as much as he likes, because I think that that is very much his strong suit, um, mm. especially against like power rushers. I think his balance is really good. Very good, aggressive first punch. Um, I, I think that he's going to fit very well in Buffalo. And I think his weaknesses are going to be masked just by the play calling on that offense. So I think like out of the gate, you're going to see Osiris Torrance hold up really well and be a very good compliment for Josh Allen to be able to kind of stay in the pocket a little more. And I think you're going to see a lot more like deep shots and stuff out of that. Cause obviously Allen loves to push the ball down the field. He's very aggressive. He will take a risk down the field further than he will take something intermediate. That's probably a little bit more likely to be completed. Um, I think Torrance is going to increase the rate of times that we see Josh Allen, like push it down the field. Cause I just feel comfortable. He'll keep him in the pocket for longer. Um, if you are, you know, rushing him straight up, hand in the ground, or if you're trying to use like a spinner roll on him, he does really good against those like speed to power guys that are coming from the inside. Um, I, I just think like, I think this is a really great spot for him because he is not going to face a lot of the thing that knocks him most as a player. And that's like any kind of complicated run scheme because the bills don't run the ball ever. So, Okay, I, I just need a little bit of elaboration here because for me, what stood out with Osiris Torrance was the fact that, you know what, yeah, maybe it's his lack of ability to execute like complex run mm-hmm. schemes, but when he just simply has to block this man, yeah, something like Duo, he is dominant. He's Absol- awesome. Yeah, yeah, fascinatingly good at that. So I, I feel like in order for him to have that really, really good impact and in order for him to be in the most ideal situation, wouldn't be for him to go to a team that doesn't run the ball, but instead a team that, I guess, runs the ball and doesn't have a zone offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for and- me, I, I wish he went to, I guess, like the Giants, I think would be a good fit. Mm-hmm. Like a team like that. I, I think Seattle, would I be wrong saying that? I'm actually not familiar with with what Seattle does a lot of. The, I know I that guess they pull more I, recently. I they, yeah, I, I know that they pull a lot of guys. I think that they pull their tackles more than their guards, though. But I'm yeah, not. I'm more not really recently, sure. I think they might be a little bit more zone because Ken Walker is more less of a downhill runner. But I know back in like the Legion of Boom era, 
they were under center. They would run stuff yes. like duo, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So I guess it might have changed since then. Of course, they've went through multiple offensive coordinators since then. So I'm not overly sure, but I really thought any team that has a simple run game but likes to rely on the run game, they would have loved him. Like Tennessee. But I, I think that would have been a good spot. Because I, I do think you're right. Like I think he is really awesome when given a simple assignment of the running game because like he's super aggressive. And one thing that stuck to me is like he seals himself really well. Like he positions himself to where he's almost like a barricade in front of the ball carrier and makes it really difficult to disengage with a guy like that. He creates holes really well. I just thought like if a team my thought process was basically if you're putting him on a run heavy team then they're probably going to have a pretty diverse group of running concepts. And I think like, I I didn't know if there was somewhere that was like a perfect marriage like that, where he could do that, where he could still pass protect and have like a lot of run blocking reps that don't require a ton of movement out of him. Um, But I I think Tennessee would make a lot of sense. Uh, New York, I said, I I like, I, I don't disagree with those. That just like, wasn't my, thought process going into it when I was thinking in all honesty I was actually I I was on a live stream when Osiris Torrance got drafted and I was pissed that he went to the Bills because I want I wanted to see this guy pave rushing lanes wide open yeah yeah I did and And I I, yeah I think that he was if you ignore position value once again Mm-hmm. And like ignore the difference between guards and value, uh, guards and tackles and centers in terms of what is more valuable to a team. This guy was the best offensive lineman in the class. I was convinced of that. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad take at all. I was not high on like any of the tackles really. Well, I actually really like Paris Johnson, and I think Darnell Wright is a really interesting project. Mm-hmm. And I think his Darnell Wright's upside is absurd. It oh for sure. And Paris Johnson, I really like for the exact opposite reason. I think he's guaranteed to be a very good tackle for years to come, but he's never going to be like, oh, my God, he's single-handedly just Trent Williams, that guy. Like, no. Yeah. But he will always be a reliable guy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's I, how I, I see it. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good take. I just, like, I, I feel like I just viewed it from, like, a di- – I, I feel like we – agree on like him as a player i think we just viewed it from different perspectives yeah all right but yeah i mean they're definitely gonna get a good use of him because For he's sure. a great pass blocker For like 100 sure. i just question how how valuable really is a guard that you only use to pass block like i feel like it's different from a tackle because i think that there's a lot of guys that are just guards that could pass block really well mm-hmm at least that's how I feel. Yeah, I, I I think that's a good question. I was I was thinking less about his value and more of like he's gonna play really well, like in this scheme. Well, yeah, okay, but then ha- how how well necessarily would you say Joe Thune plays? Right, he's just asked to pass block a lot. Right, he does a very good job of it. But like, are you like, oh yeah, Kansas City? You know, the main reason or one of the key reasons for their success is Joe Thune. Like, I don't think so. No, I I guess I wasn't thinking of it in that like regard. Yeah, but definitely like a true argument. I, my question is just more how do you, how much do you balance it? Yeah. yeah so I, I mentioned Paris Johnson. I have him as one of the players on this list for me. They've struggled at tackle for a while. 
and Paris Johnson is going to be a reliable guy for them. It's very simple. There's not really much more elaboration beyond that. I I, I liked Paris Johnson. Um, I I thought that he was going to fall a little bit later, but Cardinals. I I, I did him. too. I was surprised they traded up to get him, but still, mm-hmm. I I like. Eh, I wouldn't say like I love the pick, especially they gave up a lot to trade up, mm-hmm. but. I do think just in terms of how much will he affect the team, he will affect it a lot. Yeah. Um, okay, my next guy is my, – my next guy is Bijan Robinson, and I think oh, a lot okay. of people – Oh, okay, we both have him. Okay, awesome. Um, I, I think a lot of people are really hating because they're viewing him as just like a Tyler Algier replacement, and I actually don't think that's true. I think him and Algier or him and Patterson are going to be on the field – at the same time, a lot of the times, I would not be surprised if Atlanta leads the league in 21 or 22 personnel, uh, especially with – I think 22 personnel makes a lot of sense for them as, given the lack of depth John in that Smith. receiving core. And, yeah, yeah. them getting John New Smith. Obviously, Kyle Pitts is a freak. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense because they love to do stuff that protects the quarterback. Arthur Smith is very high on that in terms of like – the play action rate that he used for Mariota and stuff last season and how he used Kyle Pitts. You kind of mentioned that earlier. Um, I think that Bijan is, is another piece towards that. I wouldn't be surprised if they run like a pretty RPO heavy offense with him and Algier on the field at the same time. And even like if he is getting a lot of just straight up 11 personnel snaps, 12 personnel snaps, whatever, he's, he's still really phenomenal. good at it. Yeah. yeah he's, he's a beast. Like, my biggest concern with him was like his home run speed, um, but great footwork, good tackle breaker. He's really smooth going between the tackles. Very good, decisive running back um, on an offense that leans a lot on the running game. You need good running backs and he's a pretty good running back. I'd say um, I would not be surprised if he gets some reps at like slot receiver. Um, if he's running some pretty complex routes that you don't see a lot of running backs really going out there and, and taking an opportunity on. Um, I, I think this pick is going to bring more value to the Falcons than a lot of people are imagining right now. Uh, the production should be really high. I do imagine that they run the ball 30-ish times a game, and Bijan commands right around 20 of those. I think he'll be a workhorse back for them. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he gets a lot of receiving work, if he's used as a pass blocker a lot. I think he is a super versatile guy that people need to view as less of just a running back and more, he's going to be taking a ton of snaps and a ton of different spots. I mean, you look at Arthur Smith, right? You look at his history as a coach. Mm-hmm. Back in Tennessee, he wasn't the type of guy to just, oh, you know what? We'll settle for a fine running back. No, he wants one of the best running backs in the league. He doesn't just want Tyler Algier. He's not saying Algier is bad, but he wants someone that, scares and single-handedly escalates your offense, escalates your running game. He wants to have such a good running back that he doesn't need a top-tier offensive line. The good thing for them is that they also have a good offensive line. That's why they did this because, listen, is Algier good? Yeah. And would I, if I was building a team, would I settle for Algier? Yes. Because I'm not the type of person that values the running back position. He very clearly values the running back position a lot. And an elite running back is a very, very important thing to him. Yeah, 
I, uh, I, I think he's, I think he's going to bring a lot to this offense. My next one is pretty basic. And kind of like your Paris Johnson pick, like I, I don't think there's anything crazy scheme-wise that you do. Really, really good. Um, he was my favorite player in the draft class, and I, I, we kind of talked about it earlier. It might be like decently rotational for him, but even if he, even if it is, I think he is going to put up a lot of production over there in Philadelphia, assuming he stays on the field and everything. Um, but yeah, I don't have much to say about that one. Yeah, again, for me, it's just like value. How much do you value? How much production could mm-hmm. a rotational guy have? I don't really know. But he's definitely going to be a key part of that team, whether you, whether it's because he gets on the field a lot or not. When he is on the field, he's going to make some key plays. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned a simple pick. I figure I might as well mention probably my last simple pick. Yeah, this is also my last first rounder, Will Anderson. Going to Houston. I mean, just very simple. Staple edge rusher. He's going to be good. He's going to be in contention for defensive rookie of the year. I don't know if he'll win it, but I think he's guaranteed to contend for it. Houston needs a playmaker on the defensive side of the ball. That's what Will Anderson is. And even if he isn't that, he's a very, very, very good role player. I absolutely love the kid. I think that he's really underrated at this point. Just overall, does his job, does it well, and makes plays when needed. Yeah. Yeah, love me some Will Anderson. Uh, my next guy is one of my favorite prospects throughout the whole scouting process, Mozzie Smith to Dallas. I I really, really love him. I think that he is going to be someone who is uh, – let me restart. When you look at that Cowboys defensive line, you've got Tank Lawrence and you've got Micah Parsons. You're going to get pressure like almost every play no matter what. But where they really struggled is – the inside run, they weren't able to stop it a ton because there's no beef on the inside there, and they also don't have incredible run-stuffing middle linebackers, I'd say. Vander Esch is pretty good in coverage, but that's not really like he, – he's not someone who's really going to go mug up a B. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Mozzie – I think Mozzie Smith is going to be an awesome addition for them. I think I'm, I'm kind of expecting him to be two-gapping a lot and basically just cover either A – or worst case scenario, you line up at like a two two I technique, power step the B. Like he has, I, I have absolutely no questions in terms of what he can do as a run defender. And I also think, even in his rookie year, I think he is going to show a lot more as a pass rusher than he did in college. Um, and that's because he obviously is like a super heavy dude. But his athletic score was incredible. I think he had a nine point nine nine, if I'm not mistaken on his RAS. He has a ton to offer. I think he can develop a pretty great bull rush. I think he can develop a great like dip move from the inside because he plays with great leverage. Um, if we can work on that burst a little bit and get his arms under, I think that would bring a lot to the pass rush. And I also think he's going to like make them take that step to maybe like a top five ish defensive line in the league, just because they no longer will have that question mark of they can rush the passer, but can they stop the run? Yeah, he's a dominant block shedder, and I think he's inconsistent, and sometimes he looks far less dominant. He's going to make some key plays, and they're gonna he's going to maul people in the process of it. A good player. I like the pick. I really think a lot of people are giving it far too much disrespect, and I really have no idea why. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have any idea like what the reason behind it is? Like I don't. 
I don't. I I actually haven't seen it. So I, I my guess would be he's not like a flashy prospect name that comes Maybe. up when like like when you think of like the average draft consumer. A lot of people are just looking at like you know pass catchers or guys who are like freak athletes who are going to make highlight plays. Like Mozzie's name doesn't really come up in that sense. And a mm. lot of people might think it's a reach, but honestly, he was someone that I was pushing for Seattle to get at 20. Um, yeah. I, I actually think 26, wherever he fell, I think it was 26, um, is really good value for that. Yeah, I, I like the pick. I, I would say he's a little bit of a project, but mm. I definitely like the kid and he has some dominant upside. So like I said, I went through all my first rounders, so I guess I'll start with uh, who would I say is the – oh, wait, no, I have one more first-rounder. Sorry. Dalton Kincaid. Some people criticizing this pick, but I really think the Bills have just committed to this ideology of, you know what, fuck it, we're not going to run the ball ever. And in order to do that, you got to have the right players catching the ball. And they got one of those guys. Stephon Diggs is a dominant pass catcher. Who else? Eh, all the receivers went? Okay, we'll take the jumbo slot tight end Dalton Kincaid who – is probably the third best pass catcher in the draft. I mean, dude's a stud. Dude is a stud. Okay, what well, Kincaid can do, good route runner. And it's it's weird because it's something you don't really value until you watch a lot of tight end film. But you see, some of these guys really struggle to go from catching the ball to running because they're so big and like awkwardly shaped. Kincaid is very, very good at it. Very good. And he might not be the dominant block or anything, but you're not really drafting this guy to block. Let's be honest with ourselves, right? This guy is a really good route runner, really good at just extending his body to make catches. You know, just a great skill set as a pass catcher, the athleticism, the hands, the ball skills, the route running, tracking the ball really well, explosive off the line, not really a traditional tight end, and his strength isn't overwhelming, but he's really just there to play the role of a receiver. Yeah, I like that pick. I think you explained it really well. Um, I'm going with another tight end right here. Um, but I am going with Iowa's Sam Laporta. He was my tight end, I believe. And I think he's adding a ton to this offense. Um, obviously, they had Hawkinson depart, and Jamison Williams is now suspended. Uh, it's Amon Ross St. Brown and really no one else right now. Uh, Laporta doesn't offered that much as a blocker but he is a freak after the catch once you get the ball in his hands he is going to create a ton of yardage at a very consistent basis and i think there's a very real role for him especially early in the season with no jameson williams and even when jameson williams is back i think more than anything he's really going to help golf stretch the field and and kind of open up those short and intermediate levels where you want to get laporta the ball and just say here's the ball go create extra yardage I think there's going to be a very awesome role for him as a pass catcher on this team. Um, they're pretty depleted early, but even when uh, even when Williams is back, I, I think Laporta is going to be one of the bigger producers in terms of tight ends pretty quickly. And the biggest thing for me with Laporta is in terms of versatility from the tight end position, he is one of one. Right, he can line up as the H back traditional tight end. He could line up as a jumbo slot. He could line up at outside receiver as a tight end. And this guy plays all of those roles pretty damn well. I don't think he's the best blocker. I think he's a little bit underrated as a blocker at times. Like I, I've seen 
some ability to not really knock people to the floor, but hold his own and seal the edge. I have. I think he's starting to get a little bit underrated in that aspect, but he's definitely not great at it. But still, this guy is here to start making plays as a pass catcher, as a ball carrier from the tight end position. He can really do that from a lot of different alignments. Yeah. So my next pick, I guess I'll go with Antonio Johnson. One of my later guys that I have as a big impact guy, the fact he went to Jacksonville is really what helps him here. This is a physical, hard-hitting safety with a lot of really good zone coverage ability, damn good instincts, extremely physical, versatile. He plays box safety. He's a split zone guy. He could play a little bit of slot corner. Really sharp processor, outstanding tackler, really aggressive in pursuit, hard hitter, natural feel for zone coverage, good understanding of route combinations, can go man-to-man with big slots and tight ends, flashes of top-tier ball skills, but again, the ball skills aren't overly consistent, and I don't have confidence in his ability to play man coverage against faster catchers, faster pass catchers. But still, what this guy adds to a team that needs a safety, and of course you want to be a complete, as complete a team as possible to, con- to contend in the AFC, they need someone like this. They got him late. I love it, and I think his impact is going to be felt immediately. Yeah, I uh, I, I was not super I, – I didn't scout a ton of safeties, but Johnson was one of the guys I looked at a little bit, and I think, what was it, sixth or seventh round is, I think, very good value for him. Um, yeah, I don't understand how he fell so far. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not totally sure either. Uh, my last guy we already talked about a decent amount is Anton Harrison. Uh, another Jacksonville Jaguar, um, and we kind of said it already. He is pretty guaranteed to be a high-end starter in the league for a really long time. Um, he's not super physically overwhelming, but he's not a bad athlete by any means. Um, and he is super technically sound, really good first punch, great sealer in the running game. Um, I think his pad level and base look really nice to me. That really stood out when I watched the tape on him. Um, and now that Cam Robinson is suspended, I think Anton Harrison is pretty guaranteed to be thrown out there instantly at left tackle. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's competition um, when Robinson gets back. And obviously I do think one of them slides over to the right tackle spot, but it wouldn't surprise me if Anton Harrison goes out there for the first six weeks and they basically say, you're playing good enough here. We don't want to mess that up. Cam Robinson, you were the one who put yourself in this position to get suspended. You're the one who has to go play right tackle. Um, I I really don't think that that would shock me at all. Uh, I think when I, when I watched him, I thought like basically none of these tackles are going to be good their rookie year, probably except for Anton Harrison. I thought Anton Harrison was like, I, I think him falling that far was a little bit of an overthought. It was too many like, oh, this is a project, but we could hopefully turn him into someone that's really Paris good. I don't know if Paris Johnson was like that. Would you? Say no, no. I, I mean, like, I mean more like like Broderick. Yeah, going over yeah, him. okay. Like, yeah, I, I can, I can accept Paris going over him. I can accept Darnell Wright going over him. I think, especially for the Steelers' sake, passing up on Anton Harrison is I like agree. A, a weird. Like, I agree. I, I think they're especially because it's bit. not even like. I get it if, like, a team like, let's say the 49ers had a first-rounder. They could take Broderick there because they're going to use him in, like, those unique ways that only really Broderick could be used, you know, mm-hmm. using him in space and all that stuff. The Steelers don't really do that. 
Yeah, I uh, I don't know. The, the, it was a weird thing too because it's like Pickett is – I understand that their window isn't necessarily now, but I, I do believe in prioritizing. And I guess this goes for the Bears a little bit too. I do believe if you are trying to like develop a quarterback, you should – have a good offensive line when you do that. And I don't think Broderick Jones is going to be an immediate impactor in that sense. Like maybe two or three years down the line, he might be pretty good and might be better than Anton Harrison. That wouldn't totally shock me, but I think Anton Harrison, like at a minimum, you're pretty guaranteed to get a high quality player for the bears though. I think it's a bit different and you want to hear why, because the bears, what was the one thing they were really good at last year offensively? Just overall. Football. And who was the best run blocking offensive tackle in the draft class? I get, yeah, that is, yeah. That's so fair. that's why they went with Darnell Wright over Anton or Broderick, you know, yeah. or Broderick shouldn't have even been in that competition really, but yeah, no, but I, I definitely like Anton. I was thinking about putting him here, but the other guys I think will be, they won't just be all right at their position. I think all 10 of these guys are really going to be damn good at their position. Anton, I think, is just going to be a solid guy. Each of these guys, I think, are going to be, like, big playmakers. I don't think Anton is going to have many individual plays where you're like, oh, yeah, Travis Etienne won't go, wouldn't have went for 60 yards if Anton didn't have such an amazing seal on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. I, I, meanwhile, I think someone like Paris Johnson is going to have his fair share of those. I think Xavier Hutchinson is going to have his fair share of like, oh my God, he just mossed that guy. That's incredible. I think B. John is obviously going to have his fair share of, oh wow, what a juke. And then he just hit a spin move on the next guy. That's crazy. Like, I think there's a lot of these guys that I think are going to be making plays. Meanwhile, Anton is just going to be doing his job extremely consistently. Like, it's the same with John Michael Smith. If you're putting Anton around here, you put John Michael Smith around here, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think Anton has more value because Anton's a tackle. Mm-hmm. But still, though, Shrennan Simpson is my number, is my last guy that I want to name. And this is my linebacker one. Tell me if you disagree. Do you have Jack Campbell? I had, I actually had Dayon Henley as my linebacker. Really? I did. I, I thought like, oh, whoa, oh, I thought my computer powered off for a second there. Um, I thought that Henley was able to do the most in terms of coverage. And like, he wasn't an incredible run defender partly because he's like really small and I didn't like that he was a six-year senior by any means I wasn't a fan of the linebacker class in general but I thought that he could take on contact well for his mm. size if that yeah makes sense. that's true but I just see Trenton Simpson as like this total package at linebacker that's also extremely versatile and I think that's something like we're seeing like these versatile linebackers. That's what teams really like because when guys like Travis Kelsey start really being threatening, and this is an AFC team, so they want someone that could stop Travis Kelsey. You need to get one of these Jeremiah Usu Koromoa esque players. And I know that's a random example, but that was if you remember when Jeremiah. Oh yeah, Usu, for sure. When he was in the draft. That's all people talked about. Oh, yeah, if you want to stop Travis Kelsey, this is your guy to do it Mm -hmm. because he is built to do stuff like that. And I think Simpson is very similar to that. He does that. He's just such an athlete that's so versatile. He could play, you know, against slots. He could cover single high. He could play on the edge, too. I mean, this guy is so versatile. Phenomenal athlete, too. His speed is absurd. Sideline to sideline, like you would want for a linebacker. An exceptional blitzer. 
plays very good contain. His man-to-man coverage is much better than his own coverage, in my opinion, although I do think he's capable of playing single high from the linebacker spot, which is absurd. I went over his versatility, of course. Consistent tackler. Strength is very, very good. Sheds blocks well. And his instincts are really great. Also a big hitter to set the tone. I know a lot of people like that. Of course, there's flaws with him. He's not a great processor. And like I said, his own coverage leaves a lot to be desired. But still, I love the kid. And I think the amount of different ways he could be used are really going to help escalate that Ravens team. Yeah. I like it. And again, I I went over this. uh, Or I guess I didn't talk about the Ravens yet. But two of my top... uh, Free agency, or not free agency, two of my top, like, right away impact draft picks are on the Ravens. And I expect after this draft class and after seeing Lamar Jackson sign that deal, the Ravens, I'm expecting to be a very legit team in the AFC. Yeah, I uh, I, I think so too. And I think the other thing that they're going to take a serious jump in is the passing game. Um, Agreed. I think, Todd, I, think, I think Todd Malkin was a really awesome hire. Uh, and I don't know a ton about him, but what I do know about him is that he loves like the spread offense. And that's why he went out, got Zay flowers. That's why he went out. And I think probably overpaid a little bit for Odell. Um, but I think if you're Todd Monk and you're okay with that, because he clearly like values the position a ton. And I also think he's going to use the tight ends on that Ravens team quite a bit. I wouldn't be surprised if Isaiah likely has a significant role as a pass catcher. Um, obviously Mark Andrews is going to get some targets. Um, I, I think Charlie Collar is going to be pretty valuable in the running game for them. I, I think that is where you're going to see like a significant, significant improvement in this Ravens team. Yeah, I mean, this Ravens team, their offense should be damn good, and their defense was pretty good last year. And now oh, they yeah. just added Trenton Simpson to it too. And now uh, who was it out of UConn, the interior defensive lineman? Travis Jones, Yes, I believe. I was really they drafted him. Last year. Yeah, I loved him because I thought he was overshadowed by Jordan Davis. The two of them were just physical specimens, like absurd athletes weighing a lot. Like, they weighed a lot. There was no reason for them to be able to move that well. And because Jordan Davis was like the same thing but better, I think a lot of people undermined Travis Jones. And I think he's going to replace Calais Campbell very well and just overall be a great player. This defense as a whole, I'm expecting to be spectacular. Yeah, I I, I actually – I if the defense is like the same caliber or even better than that i think they are going to be awesome though actually the only question mark i have is like if peters returns or not but i think i guess they didn't draft a corner like they were supposed to yeah or no they drafted a corner really late but i, I thought that they were going to draft a corner they should have made a move imagine if they traded for ramsey that would have been interesting that would i guess really that wouldn't really sweet. be a scheme fit but but Still, they should have made <laughs> Ramsey and Marlon Humphrey's a pretty fun cornerback too. Yeah, it definitely would be. Nah, I mean, listen, we were talking earlier on the other episode. Again, check it out after this. This should be wrapping up soon. We were talking about how, like, now all of a sudden the Jets became a real, like, talk of the town as a possible contender in the AFC. Mm-hmm. People have undermined the Ravens, the real riser this week. That is a legit contender. I think the Ravens are a legit contender now. Yeah, I uh, I, I want to see strides in. I, I want to see the receiving core look good. I, if Bateman can like be what we thought what Bateman was going to be, even let's say if OBJ was what he was on the Rams, 
Mm-hmm. I am so confident in Zay Flowers to be able to be the wide receiver one. Yeah. So yeah. I'm fine. Bateman being the wide receiver three, I'm great with that. I was really high on Bateman, but at this point, I'm real. I've really given up on him. Uh, and I guess it could just be because of all the injuries, and he hasn't really shown anything. Uh-huh. But I, I loved Bateman pre-draft, and he hasn't really proved much to me yet. So to me, it's just you have this dangerous running game, and now you also have a very good receiver core, a offensive coordinator that wants to throw the ball, and then that defense should be really scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I actually, I, I think one of the more underrated moves this offseason was extending Roquan. Um, mm-hmm. Because when when they went out and traded for him, like it was so clear the value that he was adding to that defense was so so high. Because oh, Patrick yeah. Green, Patrick Green's a fun like spinner, blitz, run stopper guy. He can't cover. Like the dude cannot mm-hmm. cover. Which is weird because if you remember pre-draft, that was like what he was supposed to yeah. be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the shift happened, but like it's the same thing that happened to Shaq Leonard. Yeah, as it stands, like he just he can't cover. And I think having a Dominant, dominant coverage linebacker like Roquan being able Trenton to Trenton Simpson if they want to yes. have man-to-man. I would not be surprised if Simpson, like, kind of overtakes Queen a little bit. Well, I think they'll because... they'll find a way to incorporate Queen. Right. Uh, but I think the thing that makes Simpson so good is the fact he's so versatile. You can yeah. use him in whatever way. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Simpson makes Queen lose snaps. I think it's a better way to say that. Well, the way um, I see it, I think you have all three of them. I the problem is they run a 3-4, but, like, I don't know. I think Simpson could even line up as an edge rusher. Yeah, that would be – because who they – it's – um. It's the, Odafe it's, Owe, and they have David Ojabo now. Yeah. But Ojabo – I mean, how confident are we that Ojabo recovered from the ACL tear? I well, think I think his was an Achilles, wasn't it? Was it? It, it was some major injury. The point but is – Regardless, I remember, yeah. I remember watching his film. I mean, man, if he's able oh, to I bounce back – if he's able to bounce back, oh my god! Yeah, that would I I would love um, Ojabo and Owe did not take the jump that I was hoping. Oh yeah, no, everyone thought he was going to take a big jump. If anything, it's going to be weird. I think they're going to be rotating all the guys except Roquan, really. But eventually, they're going to notice. I love Simpson so much. They're going to notice. Oh shit, we got another stud. We got to keep on the field all the time. Yeah, and also like Kyle Hamilton getting the increased role, and like, him being versatile, lining him up wherever you want, along with switching up where you line up Simpson, it should just be a dangerous group. And yeah. then you have uh, Marcus Williams up top. Yeah, it's gonna be killer. It's it's gonna be so scary for opposing quarterback. I don't. I'm blanking on the name of their defensive coordinator right now. Um, uh, McDonald. It's something. McDonald, Mike, yeah, yeah. Mike McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. Some something like that. Um. He loves to do lots of like disguised coverages and very complex schemes. And like the Ravens earlier in the year had a ton of blown coverage because they had young guys out there trying to do that. And they just like, weren't really familiar with it. But as the season went on, they tightened up on it and that defense looked awesome. And I kind of expect that again, because you have this much talent on that awesome of a scheme. Like, come on. It's like, that's like so so hard to read as an opposing quarterback. Yeah, no, I I mean this is a scary scary grouping. It's just they need to find that other corner, right? Yeah, they do. And and I was high on Jalen Armour Davis last year. If if they feel oh yeah, I forgot can, about him. Yeah, um, if they if they think he can be that, that would be pretty sweet. Yeah, I completely <laughs> agree. Anyway, thank you again for coming on. 
I hope you all enjoyed it. And for those of you that didn't listen to the other episode, it's pretty much the same thing. But instead of talking about the draft, we're talking about the recent quarterback news, Aaron Rodgers trade and the Lamar Jackson extension. It's a shorter one. So don't you worry. I'm not going to keep you for two one hour and 40 minute long episodes. All right. Anyway, it was a great episode. Thank you for coming on. If you want to plug your socials, feel free. I feel like it's rude to have you on for as long as I've had you and then not allow you to at least try and benefit from it. Um, well, I, I appreciate being on here for sure. Um, my, I, I think it, it's at J pow NFL, J P O W NFL on TikTok and Twitter. And then on YouTube, it should just be Jackson powers. No capitals, no spaces, correct? No capitals, no spaces. Yeah. And then for me, as most of you might know, at no huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces available on TikTok and Instagram. That is at no huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces. Also available on Twitter at no huddle NFL with an underscore at the end. That is again at no huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end on Twitter. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you all next week. Thank you for coming on.